Praise the Lord. <laughs> Getting a little bit later start. Uh, you guys went a little long this morning, so wanted to give you a little bit of time. Uh, we have a few announcements. The first one, uh, ladies retreat. The registration actually starts tomorrow. Um, if you meet with me after church, I do have all of the information regarding the rooms and the registration fees and all of that. But early registration starts tomorrow. You can get registered. You can get your hotel room. Uh, so be thinking about that. Uh, next week is Veterans Day service. Uh, we want to honor our veterans, those who have served us and protected us, our freedoms, uh, we will only have one service. So it will be 10 o'clock prayer, 10.30 service. We will have a meal afterwards. So invite all of your veteran friends and relatives to come so we can honor them. Also next week, uh, I need to know if you are going to Winter Youth Convention so that we can get registered for that. That is going to be December 28th through the 30th. So please let me know by next Sunday. Also, men's prayer, Saturday, November 13th from 8 to 9 a.m. That'll be here at the church. And Tupelo gift cards. Um, we're asking for $25 gift cards for Walmart. You can either purchase the, the gift cards and give them to me or put them in the offering. Just let me know that it's from you. Or you can put the money in an offering envelope and just designate Tupelo and we can get those cards for you. We want to bless those children this Christmas. Hallelujah. Come let us sing, let us rejoice. Come let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come and he brought life. And he put laughter into my soul. Come let us sing, let us rejoice. Come let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come and he brought life. And he put laughter into my soul. Come let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come, and he brought life, and he put laughter into my soul. It would have been enough if he brought love. It would have been enough if he brought peace. It would have been enough if he brought hope, but he put laughter into my soul. It would have been enough if he brought love. It would have been enough if he brought peace. It would have been enough if he brought hope. But he put laughter into my soul. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. Come, let us sing, let us rejoice. 
Messiah's come and he's brought life and he put laughter into my soul. Come let us sing, let us rejoice. Come let us sing, let us rejoice. Messiah's come and he brought life. And he put laughter into my soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Did he do that for you? Do you have that joy in your heart? Hallelujah. Oh, we rejoice in you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we rejoice in your blessing and your goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad, he has made me glad. I will rejoice, for he has made me glad. 
He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we have come here today to lift up your name, to glorify you, to bring thanksgiving to you, Lord, and glory to your name. Hallelujah. You are the only one worthy of the honor, only one worthy of the praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every praise is to our God, every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory hallelujah is to our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. Sing hallelujah. To our God, glory, hallelujah, is due our God. Every praise, every praise is to our God. my Savior, God, my healer, God, my God, my deliverer. 
he is, yes, he is, God, my Savior, God, my healer, God, my deliverer, yes, he is, yes, he is, every praise is to our God, every word of worship in one accord every praise every praise is to our god sing hallelujah to our god glory hallelujah is to our god every praise every praise is to our god Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise is to our God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. He's worthy of our worship this morning. Thank you, Jesus. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our deliverer. He is most certainly our Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. He has done so much for us. (coughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's easy for us as human beings to forget everything that He's done. Sometimes it becomes very hard for us to remember the things that he did do, especially when we're in the middle of it. But he has most certainly wrought wondrously in each of our lives. He has done so very much for us. He is worthy today of our worship and of our praise. He's worthy of our giving of thanks and attention. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with 12. I've spoken on this topic before. I want to approach it a little bit differently this morning. The idea of unity, of being one, unified. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and starting with verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. 
Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come before you one more time asking your help. You're leading, you're guiding. This is your church. We are your people. You purchased us with your holy, precious blood. You know exactly what we have need of today. Minister to those needs, I pray, according to the graciousness and the goodness of our God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We turn to you. Our hope is toward you. Our eyes are affixed unto you today. Our ears are attent unto the voice of the Lord our God. Minister according to your perfect will and according to our desperate need today, and let your name be glorified here today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Before we begin, uh, I do want to say about our veteran service next week, next weekend. Those veterans that we have present here are going to be ministering to us next week. <coughs> In case you guys forgot. <laughs> We're going to ask for you to volunteer one last time. One next time. <laughs> Amen. About five to ten minutes each. I'm looking forward to what they have to say. Amen. <clears throat> I'll close the service out, and then we'll have something to eat. Celebrate the day together. Amen. <clears throat> so, this idea of unity. We understand corporately, we understand through business and through... Uh, if you've ever been a part of a, uh, an, uh, the, for there to be someone, everybody follows the command. Everybody knows their place. Everybody knows their responsibilities, and they take care of them to the point where. If someone to the right or left has a, a need, a little bit of help, we're able to do that as well, and vice versa. If I'm a little bit overwhelmed, I have help coming. The body of Christ is the same way. And again, we've talked about this in messages past. I, I want to really drill it home today. The body, this is the body of Christ. that all is a little bit more I'm going to pick up the mic <clears throat> maybe I just will <clears throat> it was nice while it lasted okay we're back and we understand, by looking at the, the physical body, we understand that when the physical body works, 
It works really good. I feel strong. I feel invigorated. I got energy. I can, I can focus mentally. And things that come in, I can just take care of them. I can walk. When I was, when I was 18, 19 years old, I could run all day long, I, I, I felt like. I could, I could work all day long. And I'd be a little bit tired at the end, but just give me about an hour. I'm, I'm good. When I first went into the Army, I didn't do a lot of push-ups. I did hundreds, literally hundreds of push-ups the first day. I was sore. But in the morning, I was fine. There was nothing. I was all better. 18-year-old body. They're so wonderful. (laughs) You guys remember that? Yeah, I do too. (laughs) Remember. Memories. But as we get older, things start to, to break down a little bit, right? We don't recover as fast as we used to. Things start going wrong. We get, uh, uh, if we can wax a little bit scientific, our DNA gets copying errors. And uh, our ability to, to fix things that are wrong in the body, it takes a little bit longer. And it's a little bit slower. And it's not quite as good as it used to be. And so when something goes wrong in the natural body, that's a medical condition. If I have heart disease, if I have high blood pressure, if I have you name it, there are a million things that can go wrong. It's a pretty complex organism. There's a lot of moving parts in here, if I can say it that way, and there's a lot that can go wrong. But miraculously, mostly it stays intact. There are many trillions of interactions that go on in the body continuously. And if any one of those things fails in any number of areas, things start cascading. Things start going wrong. And yet, miraculously, this is... Uh, vigorous enough, it's, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, it's built in such a way that it doesn't go wrong, not for a long time, typically. When we look at the body of Christ, and we start to see that uh, God places everything, God places people in His body according to His will, And he places us here for a reason. We understand that we're placed here to take care of something. He gives us a responsibility. He gives us a job, a task. Uh, In the scripture we read, some of us are eyes, some of us are lungs, some of us are feet, some of us... uh, We don't need hair. Um, Some of us are a nose. (laughs) I was telling someone yesterday, if this grew back... I'd have no idea what to do with it. I'd just probably keep cutting it like this. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Washcloth, it's all done. Wind blows, great. Feels great. <laughs> anyway, um, so, but they're all necessary. And if any one of us is missing, for, what, for whatever reason, the body feels that. We feel that loss. 
because God placed you here for a reason. If I can grab that first slide. There's a uh, the Rube Goldberg, yes. Obviously, you can't see that, kind of. Okay, well, I'll explain it to you. You guys have watched Saturday morning cartoons, some of you. Okay, well, I did. <laughs> In the cartoons, they always had these elaborate contraptions. You'd, uh, you'd pick up a, a piece of cheese, and that would trigger a trap that would send a, it would light a match, and it'd uh, light a firecracker that would loose a, a balloon, and that would go, you know, and you'd have this whole complex uh, cascading effect, and eventually it'd circle all the way around and it'd drop a basket on the person. Yeah. And it was really idiotic, and it was really not at all efficient, but it was kind of cool to watch how the, this whole thing happened. They call it a Rube Goldberg device, after the inventor of it. In any case, there's a concept in uh, intelligent design circles, creation circles, called, uh, called what? <laughs> I just had it. Irreducible complexity. Thank you, all of you that gave me that. Irreducible complexity. And what that is, is that in, in an example like this, or in a, in a more simple example, a mousetrap. A mousetrap. If you look at a mousetrap, every one of those pieces are necessary for it to operate. And it has to be there at the same time. If you take any one piece of a mousetrap away, the whole thing falls apart. It doesn't work anymore. And so they use it in creation-evolution debates to, to explain that, you know, uh, this thing couldn't have evolved piece by piece. Every part is necessary right now. And so... Uh, in the case of a Rube Goldberg device, if I take any one of those pieces out, the whole thing fails. The trap doesn't fall. The guy isn't. The basket doesn't fall, and the guy's not trapped. It doesn't matter which piece I take away. And so, it is also in the body of Christ. If we take any one piece away from the body of Christ, it ceases to function the way God intended it to. And that's why I continue to stress. Each and every person is so vitally important in the kingdom of God. All of us are necessary to accomplish what God is desiring to do. And not only are we necessary, but just, just being here, but we have responsibilities to take care of within the body of Christ. That's why we were created. That's why we were planted here, is to take care of those responsibilities. If you go to the next slide. This is a human cell. And the human cell, in the time of Charles Darwin, was thought to be just a blob of protoplasm. That was it. Just a, just a chunk of goo. And that's all the, the complexity it had. <clears throat> we understand medically now that at the foundational level of the body's organization lies the humble cell. Once thought to be a massive protoplasmic goo, scientists now understand them to be extremely complex and very highly organized. In fact, the structure, functions, and organization of a simple cell is much greater than that of a large metropolitan city. If you look at the logistical plans of New York City, for example, or L.A., it pales in comparison to what every single cell in our body goes through on a regular basis. 
Functions such as energy production, waste removal, building programs, transportation, resource management, internal policing functions, and even external defense all play a part in the daily lives of your cells. The incredible complexity built into the structure of a simple cell, the efficient methods of communication both internally between the various components of the cell and extracellular communication between the cells themselves and the ability of the cell's components to adapt real-time to changing conditions stagger the imagination. And that's at the smallest level of the human body. I'll just give you one example of its ability to adapt. And it's not when it encounters a virus. It's when it encounters damage to itself. Within the cell is a, a uh, production mechanism that can produce pretty much any protein the body needs. Now, there are essential amino acids that the body can't produce. We need to take those in. But pretty much everything else it can produce inside. And those production machine, machines exist within each cell. So if the body needs a particular protein, it can fabricate a new one real time to meet the demand. And that's just one example of literally hundreds of thousands of examples that I could give as to the, the complexity of the cell. There are, there are microscopic machines within the cell that transport amino acids. They transport uh, fat molecules from one end of the cell to the other using uh, basically carbon nanotubes that are built within the cell that these, these molecules they basically walk along these molecules. And the DNA uh, replication process is so robust. That's the word I was looking for, robust. Uh, they're so robust that uh, they're along, the, along the copying procedure, there are molecules that go back and edit and check and make sure it was done properly. And if not, it'll fix the errors. Now, eventually that breaks down. The copying process itself and the... the the editing process itself begins to break down. But in a, in a healthy individual, it's amazing. And each one of these molecules and each one of these carbon nanotubes that, that provide structure to the cell and transportation for the, for the various molecules, every one of these you would look at maybe individually and say, what is this here for? And in fact, scientists have for a long time. What is this even good for? What is this used for? But its function is vital in specific situations. And all of it is vital generally. It's absolutely amazing. And that's just the cell. The, the, the structures between... Actually, let's go to the next slide. The human eye. Absolutely an amazing engineering marvel. The human eye. Evolutionists will tell you that that evolved very slowly over millions of years. First we got uh, a sensitive light spot and then we got a, an organ that could tell shapes and then you know and so on and so forth until we got what we have today. Um, not even close. The eye is a miraculous mix of mechanical, biochemical, and photoelectric engineering, all of which must work together to accomplish what most human beings take for granted, the ability to see. It's amazing. 
And, you know, we understand the rods and cones that capture the, the photons of light, transmit it into an electrical signal, sends it to the brain, the brain interprets it. <clears throat> and that is happening tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of times a second. In one second, you process more information than the Cray supercomputer can in an hour. Isn't that amazing? With no errors. No one standing by to, to take care of programming issues. And the Cray supercomputer, that takes a lot of power. You know how much power your eye takes? Negligible. Almost zero. The biochemical processes that enable sight to happen. There are, if I'm remembering correctly, 20 plus different processes along the way from the time that the light enters to the time the brain receives. And then there's another series of chemical processes that have to wipe the slate clean so that that chemical process can start over again. That happens hundreds of thousands of times a second. It's amazing. And if any one of those chemicals are absent or, or mutated or, or somehow different, we don't see. But we just take that for granted. We just wake up in the morning, rub our eyes, and the world's there at our disposal. It's incredible. Have you considered the, the process that blood clots follow? We get a cut, we get a scrape, and a few minutes later, five, ten minutes later, there's a nice little scab there. We don't think too much about it. Thankful that the irritating blood flow stopped. <coughs> don't think too much about it. But that process is absolutely mind-blowing. I'll just ask a, a, a couple questions. What if it didn't clot at all? What if instead of clotting just right here, the whole bloodstream clotted? How does it know not to do that? How does it know to clot right here? It didn't clot there a minute ago, but now I got a scrape, now it clots. How does it know to do that? Again, it's a cascade of biochemical processes that perfect that process every single time. Within the human body, unity is very important. It's important for every piece of this body, from the, from the uh, molecular size all the way up to the macro. It's important for everything to know what it is supposed to do and do it. In the mitochondrial disease, in mitochondrial disease, now the mitochondria is a part of the cell that it's basically the factory. It produces energy. When you have a disease in your mitochondria, the energy-producing components of the cell are compromised and no longer produce energy. Depending on which cells are affected, symptoms may include loss of motor control, muscle weakness and pain, gastrointestinal disorders and swallowing difficulties, poor growth, cardiac disease, liver disease, diabetes, Respiratory complications, seizures, visual or hearing problems, lactic acidosis, developmental delays, and susceptibility to infection. That's in one component of the cell. 
if that starts to malfunction, if one part of the mitochondria says, I'm taking the day off, dude. I'm tired. I'd rather not do that today. You do it. You can't even see the mitochondria. You can't even see the, the whole cell, let alone the mitochondria. Not without a big microscope. But that little mitochondria becomes really important when it starts to malfunction, doesn't it? Kind of like the soundboard. <laughs> Nobody knows about the poor sound people till things go wrong. I love you guys every, every service. One irregular protein in, in the red blood cell causes sickle cell anemia. One protein. It's made up of hundreds of proteins. But just one causes sickle cell anemia. Confusion in reading cellular biomarkers can cause the body to let harmful invaders pass through or even to start attacking its own body. The immune system is impossibly complex. It's impossibly complex. Its ability to break down invaders, analyze its component parts, and develop antibodies to fight it. It does that all the time. Absolutely incredible. It adapts real time. But any mistakes along the way, and things start going wrong. We've all heard of autoimmune disorders. That's where the immune system starts attacking me. It starts attacking good, good tissue. It's a simple mistake in biochemical markers. Because one of the processes is it puts biochemical tags on the invaders so other, uh, other organisms, part of the, the process, can come in and eat it. That's vastly oversimplified, but you understand what I'm saying. And so, any part of the process along the way, serious things go wrong. Up to the point of death. Serious enough autoimmune disorders cause death. So are those processes important? Absolutely they're important. I bring all of this up to say this. Every person in the body of Christ is absolutely vital. We fail to understand that oftentimes. Uh, I'm just the guy that empties the trash. Uh, I'm just the guy that opens the doors. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just this. I'm just that. This is so important. If that's what God gave you to do, do it with all of your heart. Do it with all of your strength because we need you. God is going to send us other people that we're going to need at that time. But everyone here, present now, we're necessary. God placed you here. You're not here by chance. God placed you here for His purpose. He gave you what you have to do. The responsibilities He gave you, that was His design. That was His purpose in doing so. 
And he placed you here because you're necessary to the body of Christ. God doesn't place anybody superfluously. He doesn't place extra people because now I've got to find a place for this guy. Not at all. We're here for a reason. We're in this body for a reason. We're in this city for a reason. And that's God's reason, not ours. It's God's reason. God gave me two eyes. He placed them here. Not here. Not under the sole of my foot. He placed them here. And he placed them there for a reason. So they could function properly. He placed my heart here for a reason. So it could function properly. Everyone in the body of Christ is placed for a reason. The body of Christ is to be unified. Every member has a responsibility to every other member to fulfill their calling. If the member fails to do so, they place the entire body at risk. Okay, when we're born again, we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and with those of his body. Galatians chapter 3 and 28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Matthew 23, 8 and 9 says, don't take that farther than it needs to, okay? We still believe in male and female, okay? <clears throat> Matthew 23, 8 and 9 says this, But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Gets back to what we talked about uh, this morning. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Our relationship with each other is predicated on our relationship with Christ. We call each other brother and sister because we have the same Father. We are related through Jesus Christ. And we are now brothers and sisters in Him. When we are born again, we transfer our citizenship from that of the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. We become His people. Exodus 6 and 7 says, And I will take you... To me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Deuteronomy 7 and 6 says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. God chose us. He chose us. That's the nice thing about adoption. When you have a kid, you don't get to pick. You just get whatever, whatever the dice comes up with. But when you adopt, you can pick and choose. When you adopt someone into your family, that's special. When Jesus adopted us, He chose us out. And He created in us new creatures. And He gave us His name in water baptism. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should sow forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people. But are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. In expressions of unity, we have commitment to one another. 
1 Samuel 18, 1-4 says, And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. And Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 8 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. We're committed one to another. Sharing possessions. Luke 3 and 11 says, He answereth and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Acts 4 and 32 says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, for they had all things common. We give support to each other. Joshua 22 and 3 says, Ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Him speaking to the Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, who had their inheritance on the other side, Jordan. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We're here for each other. We have each other's back. We share in troubles. Second Corinthians 1 and 7 says, Our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Philippians 4 and 14 says, Notwithstanding ye have done well, that ye did communicate with my affliction. We communicate unity and agreement with each other. Psalm 133 and 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 1 Peter 3 and 8 says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. 1 Corinthians 10 24, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Philippians 1 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together to see the work of God accomplished. And 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now these are the will of God for his body, that we be one, we be unified, we walk together, we walk in the same direction, we answer the same. But there are causes of division in the body of Christ, and the enemy would love to see nothing more than to see God's body divided. That there be division, that there be schisms, that there be splits within us, there's nothing sadder than a church split. There is nothing more devastating to the body of Christ. And I will guard with my dying breath the unity of the body of Christ. We must be one. We must be unified. 
But those things that cause division, one of them is personal ambition. Mark 9, 33-37 says, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? They held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. That's something you don't want to tell Jesus, I guess. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. And he took a child, and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name, receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Mark 10, 35-41 says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do to you, do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, Yeah, 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 we can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized withal shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. Ethnic tension, something we're painfully aware of in today's day and age. Acts 6 and 1 says, And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. I will say this and move on, that there is no black or white, there is no brown or yellow in the kingdom of God. There is one race, and that is the human race. We were created all equal in the sight of God. We may have different skin pigmentation, we may have different cultures and different backgrounds, but we are all one in Christ. We are all all equal in His sight. We can have differences of opinion. Acts 15, 37-40 says, And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas, consolation, took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. We can't have differences of opinion. But don't let it come to the disunity of the body of Christ. Sometimes it's okay to be wrong for us to move forward in the kingdom of of God. I traded stock options for a while. And when I was doing that, there was a saying that we all had. Do you want to be right or do you want to make money? The people that always want to be right, they lose money because they're going to hold on to a losing position. I know I'm right. I just got to wait it out. That never works. It just keeps going the wrong way until you pull the trigger. You realize your loss. Then it starts moving in the right direction. There's a psychological reason for that, but in any case, I don't need to be right. I want to make money. In other words... I don't need to be right in the kingdom of God. 
I want to see God do his thing. I want to see God's kingdom move forward. And if I need to be wrong every day of the week to do that, then so be it. I want to see God succeed. I want to see you guys succeed. I want to see the kingdom of God move forward in this city and in this county. And if I have to be wrong every day of the week, so be it. Let let God be true and every man a liar. Troublesome and ungodly brothers and sisters. Not here, but in other churches. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. That's good advice. Jude, 16 through 19. Only one chapter in Jude. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. It's okay to mark those that are walking contrary to the plan of God and avoid them. We'll pray for them. We'll minister to them as we can. But we're not going to follow after them. We're following after Jesus Christ. We're following His will for our lives. A partisan spirit can cause division in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 3-4 through says, For ye are yet carnal... For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? 1 Corinthians 6, 1-6 says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Brethren, these things ought not so to be. Again, it's okay sometimes to be wrong, even when you're right. To maintain unity in the body of Christ. It's not fair. It's not just. But sometimes it becomes necessary to see God's plan move forward. And that's okay. God sees you. God sees you doing that for His kingdom. When we swallow our pride, when we swallow our, uh, our rights, and we take, the, we take the hit for the body of Christ, God sees that. And He rewards us for that, if not in this life, in the next. But reward or no, you have just pleased Him. He is pleased with that. Greed can cause divisions. James four, James chapter four verses one through three says, "From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not; ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. 
Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. It's not blab it and grab it. It's not name it and claim it. That's not the prayers that we pray here. But we pray according to the will of God. We pray according to His plan to see His kingdom moved forward. Amen. God warns us about divisions. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. There is great power in unity. Genesis 11.6 is the conclusion of this account. The Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. This is at the Tower of Babel. Babel, however you want to say it. Tower of Babel. And what they did here was that... That was Babel, literally. <coughs> That's in the original Hebrew. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. The account here is that God gave them a command to be fruitful and multiply and, and replenish the earth, right? That's what he told Noah and his sons. So they decided, I would rather stay right here, thank you. And they built a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, so that when the flood came again, because they knew it would, because they were disobedient, that they would be able to escape themselves. They'd be able to rise above the flood. And so they started building this great big tower. And God came down to, to check out what was going on figuratively speaking, and he saw that the people were unified. They were carnal. They were heathens, unified against God's will. But God's testimony was this, that nothing would be restrained from them now because the people were one. They were godless. They had no promise. They had no covenant They were unified against the express will and plan of God. But God said that this tower was going to be built because they were one unless he did something about it. So what did he do? He destroyed their unity. Problem solved. Now they're not going to take care of this anymore. Now they can't because they're no longer one. The lesson for us is clear. We who are unified... In the plan of God. We who are unified under the express commands of our King. We have a promise. That because we are unified. Because of the power of oneness. Because we are together. In this. Moving forward in the express will and command of God. We have every reason to hope. For victory. We have every reason to expect success. Not only are we unified, and nothing will be withholden from us because we are, but because we have God behind us. We have God behind us. Because of these two reasons, nothing will be withholden from us. Everything that we set out to do, according to the will of God, will come to pass. Amen. Deuteronomy 32 and 30 says this, How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? except the rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. When you add another person unified in the fight, it changes from 1,000 to 10,000. Unity. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. 
For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We need each other. And we need to stay together. I promise you, opportunity for division will come. It's already come. It will continue to come. You will have good, solid reasons to divide. You will have good, solid reasons to walk away from this. The enemy is nothing if not persuasive. Especially when we're in the middle of a fight, we're tired, we're separated, we're alone. He'll present all of these nice, shiny arguments. Don't listen to him. Stay connected to the body of Christ. Stay unified with the people of God. A unified body, in conclusion, a unified body is a strong, healthy body. When the human body works together as it should, it's healthy, it's strong, it can resist invaders, it can resist when it's damaged, it can heal quickly. When new people are born into the body of Christ, they need to see a unified, supportive, healthy, functioning body. When children are born into broken homes, when children are born into uh, families that fight and, and, and Dad's gone for weeks at a time and, and mom is drinking and, and it's just it's disruptive and it's it's unhealthy for the child. We can do that here as well. When new converts are born into the body of Christ and the body of Christ is divis- divisive and it's fighting amongst themselves and people are hit and miss and people are saying all kinds of weird crazy stuff. That's not a healthy place to raise a new baby. When the baby, when the child sees mom and dad loving on each other, when the child sees mom and dad with each other, walking the same direction, doing the same thing, speaking the same language, that's a healthy environment to raise a child in. Disunity only causes spiritual disease and even death. Disunity is never a fix for a problem. There are problems in the body of Christ. Don't get me wrong. I think we all understand that. Why? Because there's people here. Wherever you get people involved, there's problems. That's just the way it works. But division and disunity is never the solution. It's never the answer. It causes spiritual disease and even death. Disunity causes the church to experience its own kind of autoimmune disorder, the body attacking members of itself. Unity will both attract people to Jesus Christ and it will keep them serving Jesus Christ. People can get saved in a healthy church body and they will be nurtured and grow to to maturity in a healthy, unified church body. That simply can't happen in a church full of divisions, in a church full of members pursuing their own agendas.
I will add this one caveat. When the, min- when the ministry goes crazy and starts, his, starts preaching doctrine contrary to Scripture, that's another situation entirely. If you can't get rid of that guy, this church body can. So, but you understand what I'm talking about. God has an express plan for us. It's his desire that we move forward in that plan. Some may not desire to. Some may not want to. Some may feel like the old man hasn't heard from God. The old man is off his rocker. Uh, We need to do this instead. I've heard from God. I've heard from God. And they start getting a a little bit of a gathering together. That's what I'm talking about. That is division. That is rebellion. And that is contrary to Scripture. If you feel, and I'll, I'll... I'm going to throw this out here, and I mean every word of it. If you feel like I'm off my rocker, if you feel like I'm saying something contrary to Scripture, please talk to me. Oh, i got to say, Brother Wayne corrected me on something I said last Sunday, last Wednesday. Thank you. I said that the, uh, uh, the law was read to the nation of Israel every year. That's not true. It's every seven years. Thank you for that. Keeping me honest. <coughs> I can make mistakes. Um, if I, if you think I'm, if you think I'm out of the will of God, whatever you think, if you think we're going in a wrong direction, please talk to me. Please talk to me. Don't talk to the guy person next to you. Don't talk to family members. He's, he's obviously he's obviously not right with God. Obviously something's going on in his life. You know, don't do that. You have no idea. You don't know that. <laughs> and even if it is. You don't know that until you come talk to me first. Come talk to me. Let's talk. I'm very approachable. Don't cause division. Worst case scenario, if I figure like, okay, yeah, you got a point. Worst case scenario, I'll, I'll recuse myself. I will step down to see the kingdom of God move forward. That's what's important. Positions are not important. Titles are not important. God's kingdom is important. His will being manifest on earth, that's important. Okay? That's all that matters. The salvation of the lost, the perfection of the saints, that's what matters. And whatever we have to do to get there, folks, we need to stay unified. We need to stay behind the plan of God. And as much as I'm in the will of God, stay behind the man of God whoever that may be at the time. Should the Lord tarry, I'm going to go off the scene and someone else is going to come in and he's going to be the pastor. Follow the man of God as he follows Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. You're important. You're important. You're not just important, you're necessary, you're vital to what God is wanting to do here. If you think anything else, that's not God. That's not God. If you're thinking, you're believing anything else, you're hearing something else, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. Tell him to shut his yapper, move on, you're not buying it. Tell him to shut his mouth. You don't have to listen to him. He has to listen to you.
Listen to scripture. Listen to the voice of the Lord your God. He planted you here for a reason. You are vital to this body. You are necessary to the proper functioning of this church body. Amen. Let's come to the front. God's body is one.